We are expectant. Man, it's awesome seeing creative projects come together to express the word of the Lord over this season, which is expectation. How many of you are expectant for 2020? Come on, guys, that's not enough hands. That should be all of us. How many of you are expectant for 2020? And it's, it's not about me seeing your hand. It's about Jesus seeing your hand. Saying, Jesus... Um, despite my weakness, I put my trust in your strength. I'm expectant. Despite my inability to break through, I, I believe in God's mighty strength to bring me through. And so we are expectant for everything that God wants to do in the future. And to be honest, guys, I'm very expectant for what God wants to do today in our house. Because God is here. And when God is in the room, Nothing is impossible. Amen. Um, Who else is in the room today? A friend of mine, Herbert Barbuti, is here. And uh, legend, dear friend of ours. I've known Herbert for almost 12 years, I think. It's been that long. We were kids with no kids when we met in Mozambique, Africa. So, So Herbert is the director of missions for all of Iris Global with Heidi and Roland Baker. And uh, I just would love for you guys to join me. Just welcome, bro. We want to honor you and bless you. You're a legend. And Herbert's like a folklore tale amongst the Iris alumni because when Herbert was like 17, he bought a one-way ticket to go to Mozambique and then traveled throughout the bush bush preaching the gospel by himself. So he's a legend, man. Just, you know, the Bible says give honor where honor is due. And uh, yes. Herbert, we honor you, bro. Thank you. And it's a joy to brag on a friend. So, thank you. All right, do you have your Bibles? Do you have your version app, app on your iPhone? Uh, can you see the screen? We got this today. Um, I, I'm going to open... Uh, my ESV Bible and uh, the reason for that is because I I love to take notes in my Bible. Anybody else? You love to take notes in your Bible and um, and I just highlight I know right? That baby listens to the audio Bible and uh, takes notes Um, but if you could see my Bible you 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 can't so it's a, it's a waste of time trying to show you from this distance but it it's just marked all up and I, I when I when I open my Bible and I read through my history you know with the Lord as I'm reading his word it blesses me because then I'm reminded of revelations I forgot I had you know and I was reading this morning from my Bible um the passage that we're going to today which is Matthew chapter 3 and I started reading through the notes and and the reflections that I've had on this passage and this is a great passage I'm inspired by this passage there's something about this passage that brings about a great deal of expectation for me so I want you to join me we're going to read Matthew chapter 3 verses 1 through 12 all right so 12 verses of Scripture. Can you do it? All right. 12 verses of Scripture as we celebrate our expectation series and ultimately the advent of Jesus. 
Advent means arrival. Everybody say Advent means arrival. So when we talk about the Advent season, what we're talking about is an arrival. And uh, as you're opening up your Bible, say, I am expecting. Tell your neighbor, an Advent. Let's go. Let's go. Okay. Matthew 3, verse 1 through 12. It says, In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea. Repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is he who was spoken of by the prophet Isaiah, when he said, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare the way of the Lord. Make his paths straight. What an incredible word. Prepare for the advent. Make his paths straight. Now John wore a garment of camel's hair and a leather belt around his waist and his food was locust and wild honey. Somebody said weird. Then Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region about the Jordan were going out to him. And they were baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Hashtag revival. But when he saw many of the Pharisees and the Sadducees coming to his baptism, he said to them, you brood of vipers. Now that's how to argue, right? Like that is how to insult somebody biblically. You brood of vipers. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruit in keeping with repentance. And do not presume to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our father. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children for Abraham. Even now the axe is laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. I baptize you with water for repentance, but he who is coming after me is mightier than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. Let's read that last line together. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand, and he will clear his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn. But the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. John must have been a Pentecostal. Because... Just, did you guys hear how many times fire was mentioned in his sermon? And like any good Pentecostal, we know how to release the fire of God. So today I'm going to talk, honestly, I think, from the topic of expectation. And that is to expect a greater baptism. Expect a greater baptism. So Holy Spirit, we ask for your help. In the same way that you directed John, Lord, I ask you to direct me today. In the same way that you directed Jesus, Holy Spirit, I ask you to direct us. That we might be led of the Holy Spirit, not just filled, but led. So minister through your word today, God, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. Amen. So last week, we uh, titled the message, Expect the Unexpected. We're doing this whole sermon series on expectation. So last week was, Expect 
the unexpected. In 2020, you need to expect the unexpected. But also in 2020, the Holy Spirit wants to say to you, I believe it with all my heart, that you need to expect a greater baptism. Expect a greater baptism. Now, I want to talk a little bit about the context of what's happening here. You have John, uh, a guy who is somewhere around 30 years old, give or take. So he's not an older man. He's not a child. But he is preaching out in the wilderness. And when we read this story, it's, I mean, you know, it's easy to gloss over because it's in the Bible. But if we really consider it, we're witnessing an outrageous move of God. Like this is an incredible move of God. The whole region came out to listen to John the Baptist preach in the wilderness. He was wild. He was oddly dressed. And the whole city came out. Like, that's amazing. Like if the entire city of Nashville was coming to a conference, you know, out on the edge of Mount Juliet, somewhere like that, you know, and, and they were coming out. And this wild, crazy, oddly dressed preacher probably didn't look well kept, probably looked a bit undone, was prophesying on behalf of heaven, and everyone was listening, and, and they were voluntarily saying, not only do I want to give my life by being baptized, but I am going to publicly confess my sins. Like, that's what's happening. Like, are you guys, like, amazed by that or what? Because, like, people are getting baptized. People are publicly confessing their sins. And it's so interesting to me that the Word of God can come from some of the most unlikely people. You know? Like, before we judge people for how they look, before we judge people for their age, whether they be too young or whether they be too old or whether they look different from me or whether they uh, are from a different place than I am, just remember that the Word of God can come from some of the most unlikely people. And so John's out prophesying. He's quoting... um, Isaiah, this prophet who lived hundreds of years before, and he's prophesying about the fulfillment, the advent, the Messiah, right? You've got all these people coming out and they're getting baptized. And I don't know about you, but my baptism was, is something that I consider to be very special, very sacred. How about you guys? The first time I got baptized, um, I was baptized as a child. And to be honest with you, I only got baptized because my cousin was getting baptized. I was like, that seems cool. I'm going to get baptized too. Anybody else do that when you're a kid? You know, it's like kind of a cool thing to do. And then when I really got saved, I really got saved at 21. I got baptized again. And uh, then I got baptized again when I was a missionary in India. And I have no problems with you getting baptized as many times as the Holy Spirit leads you to. If you were baptized as a child, but not, not baptized since you really gave your life to Jesus, I want to invite you. Let us know. We will baptize you at the next worship night or whenever the next time we have baptism scheduled. Get baptized again. Get born again again. 
It's good for us sometimes. Uh, when I was getting baptized in India, I really felt strongly that the Holy Spirit was leading me to be baptized in this nation that I was giving my life to. And so they do like a very ceremonious thing. It's a big deal. They actually uh, have a tailor come to the house and they create a custom outfit for your baptism. And it's all white and flowy and long. it's just beautiful. You know, they're singing songs as you go down into the river. And then when we got down in this river, there were a bunch of fish in there that bit. So I remember my most recent baptism because I was like, I was trying to be spiritual when I went in. And then all of a sudden I was like, bro, just hurry up. Honestly, just can you hurry up and just baptize me? I was like, come on, hurry up, dude. In the name of the Father. Said, oh, yes, yes. Let me out of here. I almost baptized myself, you know, and like bapti- baptisms are, they're, they're, they're sacred, they're ceremonious, they're beautiful, they're awesome, they're memorable. You guys remember your baptism, right? If you haven't been baptized, be baptized. We want to baptize you. They're memorable. And in this, in this time period, when John was preaching out in the wilderness, baptism was not an unfamiliar thing. It's just that baptism happened um, differently. The way in which most baptisms took place that were notable and recognized were baptisms given, administered by your rabbi, by your leader. And then you were baptized into the name of your rabbi. You were baptized into the name of your leader. And what that would do was endorse you and empower you to teach with the same authority as the leader. As your rabbi, it empowered you to go and share those teachings and your leader was baptizing you into his teachings. And he was saying, you are now endorsed and empowered to go with my authority and share my teachings with with your community. Share my teachings with people you live uh, in proximity with. Share my teachings with your family. But what John did was John baptized nobody in the name of John. So it was radically different because he wasn't baptizing them in the name of their rabbi. He was baptizing them for a different purpose. He was baptizing them for the purpose of repentance. So in a sense, John brought a greater baptism. We're talking about expecting a greater baptism. So what John was inviting people into out in the wilderness was a greater baptism. He was like, hey, you guys may have been baptized into the name of your leader, and that's awesome, but I'm going to invite you to be baptized for the purpose of repentance. Why? Because the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Why? Because there is an arrival that is about to happen. Why? Because Advent is here. So to, to prepare your heart, to prepare the way, to make the crooked places straight, I invite you into a greater baptism. He baptized them for repentance. And in a very real sense, John brought a greater baptism to prepare people for a greater baptism. Right? That's that's what was happening. He he, He was bringing people into a greater baptism to prepare them for an even greater baptism. Which was what? The baptism of Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And, and John attracted a, a lot of attention, okay? I mean, 
it, this was before Facebook Live. You know, this is before IGTV, all right? Like without any mass media or marketing, you have an entire region going out to listen to a wild, eccentric, radically dressed preacher out in the wilderness baptizing people uniquely different than the baptism they're most familiar with. That's weird. You guys okay with this context? It's a little setup. He was eccentric. He was black and white. He was very practical and he was very direct. It's not really the type of pastor we like to have. You know what I'm saying? Like he's not playing patty cake. He is rebuking religious people and he calls them vipers. I thought to myself, why in the world did he choose that insult? But you know why he chose vipers, I think, is because vipers flee from fire. And I don't know, it's just an interesting thought. I'm like, how do you tell who's religious and who's on fire? Well, when the fire shows up, you know what I'm saying? Religious people start to get really uncomfortable. I, I couldn't help but to think about Paul when he was building that fire. What happened? Fire got started. Viper. Left out of the fire. What did it do? Bit. The prophet of the Lord. Got to watch starting fires. In the name of Jesus. Might get bit by a religious viper. <laughs> Be careful, somebody said. Tread lightly. You go and start fires. Vipers show their heads. There was a reason, though, that the religious people came out, and it wasn't just because he was baptizing. That would have been enough. Maybe they would try to stop him. But the real reason they came out was because he was preaching about a greater kingdom. He was saying there is a kingdom that is about to arrive. There is an advent of a greater kingdom. And that got the attention of the religious elites. Why? Probably because they were most interested in protecting their positions of privilege. So they were like, nope. You know, we like transformation so much so that we can control it. You guys getting anything out of this setup here? It's just comes just some context. It's a byproduct of being religious, right? We're like change the world, transform the planet, but on my watch and under my command, the way that I want it to be. It's true, right? And so they start hearing this message, like, what is he talking about? A greater kingdom? Luke three actually outlines. The sermons that John was preaching, John no doubt was a revivalist, but John was also a reformer. Look at Luke chapter 3. He had four points to his messages. Number one was share with the needy. Doesn't go over that well. Look at the statistics on how well we do as American Christians. Despite all that we do give, the statistics show that we're not really that great at sharing with the needy. Yeah. Uh, the second point of his sermon was this, possess integrity. Mm. Yes. Come on. That'll still preach. Yeah. 2,000 years later, a great sermon point to our current cultural context is this, possess in integrity. Yeah. 
That means don't say one thing in public and do a different thing in private. But be the same person on Saturday night that you are on Sunday morning. Be the same person at the coffee shop as you are in the altar space. Don't just have a Sunday persona, but live a lifestyle of the kingdom of Jesus. His third point was stop extorting people for money. Right? Politicians, religious people, stop taking advantage of people and taking their money. What was his fourth point? And this is not going to go over well. Be content with your wages. Whoa. That, wow. Now, you can imagine as to why people came out to argue with him. Right? Because this is what he's, he's preaching. And this is why he was considered to be like a prophet of the people. Because the people who needed deliverance, which we talked about last week, They loved the message of John the Baptist. Like he's preaching uh, on an advent for the deliverance that I so desperately need. But people who were most interested in protecting positions of power that allowed them to do these four things, not share with the needy, not possess integrity, extort people for money, and constantly embrace selfish ambition. They were like, no, 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 you got it. We got to stop this guy from preaching. But John preached. John eventually was decapitated. And it wasn't because he was a nice guy. It was because of what he said. It was because of what he did. He was a revivalist. He was prophetic. He was fiery. But he was also a reformer. And he had a message, a social message, an economic message, a political message. These things do not go over very well in our context. Everybody's getting quiet now because you're like, where is he going to go with this? But John is very direct. Whenever they show up, he's like, who told you to flee from the fire? He says, You guys are vipers. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the Pharisee and he's talking to the Sadducee. You know what John is telling them? That religion won't save you from judgment. So here's what he's saying. He's saying religion won't save you from refinement. Religion cannot protect you from the fire of the real Jesus. You hang around the house of God long enough, fire is going to show up. And just because of your religious affiliations, don't think that you won't also be refined. He also said, don't rely on your past. Talking about the Abrahamic covenant, right? He's like, your false identities will not protect you from refinement. Don't think just because you have a religious lineage. Don't think just because your grandfather was a pastor that you will be protected from the refinement when the advent happens and the Messiah shows up because he's coming with the Holy Spirit, which is going to bring so much tender love. But he's coming with something else. 
Can you guys help me preach this? Somebody say fire. He's saying you need a greater baptism. You need a better baptism. You got baptized by that dude. That's great. You got baptized by me for repentance, but that was just preparation. Because there is a greater baptism that is about to show up in your life. And when this greater baptism shows up, get ready, because this is not going to be a controlled situation. This is going to be you exchanging your life for his. This is not just signing up to share a teaching. This is signing up to die to yourself. So be careful. Because the advent is going to bring something other than the gentle, peaceful helper. It's going to bring that. But it's also going to bring... Come on. Come on. We are pretty charismatic, so this is going to go over well, I think, when it's all said and done. Uh, what's interesting is that when I read my Bible, I don't know about you, but I, I tend to jump uh, to judging the Pharisees. How about you? You read it and you're like, what losers? You know, who do they think they are? You know, because we read ourselves into scripture as though we are just the most wonderfully obedient disciples of Jesus. We're judging Peter when he denies Jesus. Who does he think he is? That's the son of the living God. You know, we start judging the Pharisees. Who do they think they are? Showing up. You know, because you're a young radical. That's how you define yourself. You're like, I'm the one in camel hair suit and eating wild locusts. You know, you're like, you're identifying as the hero in the story. And I think it's great that we read the Bible like that. But so often, guys, we are not John the Baptist preaching in the wilderness. We are the Pharisee showing up to judge the passionate prophet that looks different than us, who is preaching in an unlikely place, who has a message that is unlikely, and he is preaching to the outcast, the downcast, the oppressed, the marginalized. <laughs> and then we show up like, this guy ain't talking about nothing. <laughs> we love to judge the Pharisees and the Sadducees. They were so religious that they missed the move of God. You guys know that that's possible, right? Yeah. They were judging John. Maybe it's because he was weird and looked funny. I don't know. But they also compared themselves to John uh, because he was announcing a new move and they came championing their histories. Wow. So John was saying, expect a greater baptism in the future. And they were saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. But examine the connection we have to the past. Right. So how do you know if you've embraced this mindset of a Pharisee or a Sadducee whenever God is inviting you into a greater baptism? Let me give you a list. Instead of pursuing what God is doing next, we hang on to what God did before. Let me say that again. Instead of pursuing what God is doing next, we hang on to what God did before. We live in the past. We live in the good old days. We live in the golden era. We live in a time that will, it'll never get better. It'll never get better than it was when I played high school football. You know what I'm saying? And I didn't play high school football, by the way. But can I tell you this real quickly? Guys, that whatever awesome thing that God has done in your past, he has plans to outdo himself. 
Whatever awesome thing God has done in your past, he has plans to outdo himself. You were not the most on fire that you're ever going to be for the first two weeks after you got saved. You're going to be more on fire. Why? Because there is an advent and you should expect a greater baptism because Messiah is here. Jesus has come and he brings the Holy Spirit, which is the spirit that lived in him, and fire. Somebody say, I want the fire. Here's the second point. We identify ourselves by our affiliations. Dang. Well, I went to Bethel. Well, you, you see what I'm saying? Well, I went to YWAM. I worked at this church. Man, it's quiet. I go to this church. Well, I go to that church. You know, I'm crushing it as a Christian because I go to the popular church. Yeah, I don't know how this is going over, but. <laughs> Point three, we put more stock in our appearances than we do our affections. Yes. I love it when Mary Pat's in town. We put more stock in our appearances than our affections. Oh, don't play yet. Don't play yet. I'm sorry. I just don't want them to get in that frame yet. Not yet. Sorry. I, bro, I told you after point two, it's a different point two. I'm going to get there in just a second. Just stay there, though. Just right there. Literally. Uh, licks. Uh, licks. Uh, licks. Four. We tout our activity in the past and excuse our inactivity in the present. I used to be a missionary. I used to go and do, I used to preach in the streets. What are you doing today? I used to prophesy people. I used to be on the prayer team. I used to go to church. I, who cares? That's what the Pharisees said. Well, you know, um, we're a part of something that used to do this. And, and John says, well, you should expect a greater baptism. Don't come talking to me about your ties to the past. What I'm telling you is that about an advent that's taking place now and in the future. Expect a greater baptism. Here's the last one. We become arrogant about our history with God. Well, these youngsters today, they don't know nothing. Back in my, we just worship for four hours. But you can't show up to worship night. You know what I'm saying? It's like, come on, man. All right, was that too, was that too rough? Because God tells us, he says, I want you guys to expect a greater baptism. John the Baptist tells us something greater is on the way. And here is the truth. It's going to be better than the baptism you've had in your past. It's going to be better than the baptism you received at repentance. It's going to be better than the baptism you received when you went down in the water. It's Advent time and Jesus is coming to personally baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire right so John the Baptist is very direct he's very clear he said there is someone else on their way I'm not worthy to carry their shoes 
And the baptism that they are bringing is superior to the baptism that I am administering. There is a superior baptism, which is a which is a really great way of talking about baptism in this context, because the word baptism here actually means to be brought under the control of a superior power. So when John talks about uh, Jesus is going to come and baptize you, he's talking about Jesus personally. Not from a distance, not from the throne in heaven, but Jesus personally coming to you and baptizing you and, and bringing you under the authority of a superior power. That is the difference in the baptism of Jesus and the baptism that just, you know, people were administering around the time because they were bringing people under the superior power of their title. Jesus was about to bring people under the superior power of his spirit. Expect a greater baptism. Uh, There's five ways that the Bible talks about baptism in the New Testament. I'll give them to you real quick. Number one is with water, which symbolizes being initiated into the church and being brought under the influence of covenant community. Everybody say covenant Covenant. community. That's part of the reason why you are baptized with water. You're brought into the covenant of the body of Jesus Christ. Number two is with the Holy Spirit, which means to be brought under the influence or the control of the presence of God or the Spirit of God. Number three is with suffering. Just let that sit. Because it's biblical, and it means to be brought under the influence of a purging experience. Some of you guys in 2019 were literally baptized with suffering. Some of you guys were. Uh, Number four is with fire, and that is to be brought under the influence of a judging, refining, searching experience. And, um, you know, I also believe that being baptized with fire, think of Acts chapter 2, it also empowers, right? It empowers. But you, one of the things I want you to recognize is that Jesus does not empower before Jesus refines. Right? We have so many people who are looking for empowerment. I want a position. I want a role. I want authority. And Jesus is like, here's a baptism of fire. Yay! Fire tunnel! You know what fire falls on in the Bible? Sacrifice. People are like, I want the fire! Lord's like, lay down at the altar! <laughs> what? I thought, I, I thought I was talking about a promotion, Lord. You want a promotion? Okay, get refined. Dang. Number five, baptism is into the body of Christ to be brought under the control of the head of the church, which is Jesus Christ, and to be made a part of his body. Very similar uh, to the first one. So what John does is he actually selects and, and he connects baptism number two in this list with baptism number four. And he says, this is the baptism that the Advent is going to bring about. And it's going to be a baptism of both the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit here in many ways is representative of grace. 
or love or all of the great things that we receive as a result of being baptized by Jesus with the Holy Spirit. And then fire here, we can easily say that it, rep it represents refinement or, or truth. Talk about grace and truth, uh, truths held in tension. This is what Jesus came to bring. It's not just a one-handed blessing. He's not just coming with the love and the comfort. He's coming with the truth and the refinement as well. He's coming to lay hands with both hands. <laughs> Bless you. That's a little more than that. The baptism that Jesus wants to bring into your life in 2020 is going to be a little bit more than that. It's not just your touch. It bless you. Hallelujah. Just a little touch, a little tender touch. Touch him, Lord. Right? Be careful. Because <laughs> the Lord wants to bring a greater baptism. He says, receive the Holy Spirit. Receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? What does that mean? It means to make Jesus Lord. And it means to invite the Holy Spirit to dwell within me. John says, receive a greater baptism, receive fire. What does that mean? To surrender to the refinement of Jesus. Come on, how many of us, like we hear, baptism of the Holy Spirit, yay! Yeah. Right? Yeah. Baptism of fire. <laughs> really took the wind out of my sails there, preacher. Yeah. Right? But the greater baptism that Jesus has to bring you is all kinds of comfort. It's all kinds of exhortation. It's all kinds of fulfillment, right? He said, if you're thirsty, come and drink. The life I come to bring is life and, and life abundantly, right? We know there's all kinds of good things. But a part of his baptism is causing you to be transformed so that you look more like him, that you think more like him, you move more like him, you love more like him. And to get to that point, we have to be refined. Prepare the way of the Lord. Make, his, make, make the paths straight. I think that that prophetic proclamation is so wonderful. Prepare the way of the Lord during the Advent season. Speak that over your heart. Prepare the way of the Lord. I'm expecting an Advent. My heart, all the crooked places, I make it straight. All the places that I have been requiring the Holy Spirit to jump over and duck under and move us, all the crooked places. What are those roadblocks that you put up in your heart to the Holy Spirit when God's like, I want to touch that spot. And it's like, no, no, no. Well, you have to speak A and B and C. You know, it's like, make the crooked places straight. May you be one that God finds easy to speak with. You know, how hard is it for God to get your attention? Does he have to baptize you with fire so that he can baptize you with the Holy Spirit? How hard have you made it? How Get the crooked places and make them straight. And here's my three points. Number one is this, repent. Don't rest on the old and don't resist the new. Can I tell you that today? 
Don't rest on the old. Don't rest on what God has done in your past. Don't rest on what you've done in your past. I don't care how fantastic you've been. I don't care how pitiful you've been. Do stop identifying yourself with your past. Can I say that today very simply? Stop embracing uh, the, the behavior or the actions of your past as who you are. If you've repented of that, then God doesn't even see it. Right? He said, I'm going to scatter your sin as far as the east is from the west. Yes. Right? So move into the future. Number two is be baptized. Make Jesus Lord and receive refinement. I know these are practical takeaways, but, but write them down. Save them as the wallpaper on your phone. Get baptized every day. Number three, do it again tomorrow. Do it again tomorrow. And do it again the next day and the next day and the next day and receive that word that God gives us, which is his mercy is made fresh every day so that we could get baptized every day. And don't think that you're ever done repenting because God is never done transforming. We're all unfinished masterpieces and God's not going to stop loving you when you die. He's going to continue to love you and to transform you for all of eternity. You're not going to walk into hell. I don't even believe we're going to die a finished product and walk into It's like God just gets so much joy out of baptizing us and filling us and transforming us and making us more beautiful in his time. And I just think that's awesome. How about you guys? So, Lord, we expect a greater baptism. Would you guys stand and pray with me? We expect a greater baptism in 2020. We expect a greater baptism for the Advent season. We expect to be filled with the Holy Spirit like never before. We expect to enjoy God like never before. We expect to enjoy the Bible like never before. We expect to enjoy prayer like never before. We expect to enjoy the presence of Jesus like never before. We expect to enjoy church and We expect to enjoy sacrifice. We expect to enjoy giving our lives like never before. And we even expect to enjoy refinement. You know, I was reading the Psalms this week and I was reminded, it's somewhere in Psalm 90s. It says, I love the judgments of God. I want you to think about that. Have you gotten to a place in your walk with the Lord where you enjoy the judgments of God? The psalm actually says, I delight in the judgment. I delight in the law. These are cuss words for us today. I delight when you correct me. You remember how open you were to God whenever you first got saved? Like in your rookie season, do you remember how easy you were to coach? Is that making sense? Is that translating? Let God coach you like a rookie. Does that make sense? Maybe it just did more for me than for you guys. I don't know. But Lord, we bless every person here and we thank you, God, for a greater baptism in 2020. In Jesus' name, we pray. Everybody say, I expect a greater baptism. Baptize me, Lord. Baptize me, Lord. Baptize me, Jesus.
I love that Jesus doesn't leave the work up to anybody else, but he personally takes responsibility to baptize each and every one of us. And we receive your baptism today. Amen. Amen.